Well, I think we can all relate to the feelings of anticipation when something is about to come, whether that's very soon or something in the, in the near future or, in the, or even in the distant future. Uh, maybe your birthday is coming up and you're going to celebrate that and do something special for it and you're anticipating this. Uh, maybe you're, gonna pl you're planning a trip right now to take and, or uh, maybe you're going to see someone you haven't seen for a while and uh, you're looking forward to that. Uh, maybe, maybe a big event is coming, is going to happen for you soon. Maybe this is a year you're going to be graduating. Maybe there's, there's a new baby on the way that's going to be born. Or maybe you're getting married. Right? All kinds of feelings of anticipation and these kinds of things uh, can be exciting. As we know, these things are, are coming. But at the same time, feelings of anticipation can be negative, right? They can be negative in that... Uh, you know, they invoke feelings of, of maybe anxiety, maybe something, something we're not looking forward to. Maybe an upcoming dentist appointment or doctor's appointment or, or maybe you have a big exam coming up that you're studying for and you're, you're kind of nervous about that. Uh, maybe there's a big deadline at work that you're gearing up for and, and uh, maybe there's a big presentation that's kind of stressing you out right now or, or maybe you're getting married. <laughs> I don't know, wedding days can be, can be kind of stressful. Mine was. Um, it was good, it was good, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it was only one of them, <laughs> one of those days. Feelings of anticipation about something that is in the future, about something that's coming, whether, whether that's positive or, or negative, really affects how, how things are going right now. It affects the present time, and, and depending on what it is, what, what that day is, what that event that's coming, what, what we're going to meet in the future, what we're going to experience, what, it usually means that there's things we have to do. We have to prepare. We have to get ready. There, there are things that's, that we'll, we'll be busy with, and sometimes this means just preparing ourselves mentally, but other times there's, there's actual physical work that we have to do. There's, there's action items on our, on our list that we have to get done. Well, at this time of year, we can all relate to a certain feeling of anticipation. Christmas is coming. It's that time of year, and, and can you believe it? It's going to be here in, in less than a month. It's hard to believe, but you know, with the snow outside, it helps us, helps us to believe that. And uh, it's, it's, you know, Christmas coming, maybe this is, for some of you, this is a really happy time, getting very excited, but for others, others not, not so much. Maybe Christmas is something different for you. Maybe, maybe it's just anxiety-inducing for, for, for Christmas. Christmas. That's what Christmas time is. And, and it's, it's a busy time. For most of us, it's a busy time. But, but there's usually a lot to prepare. There's a lot we need to do right now before that, that day comes. In our passage this morning, we are looking at Luke's gospel. And he's, Jesus is in his final days of ministry at this point in the text, and he'll be going to the cross soon. He's spending his days now in, in Jerusalem, his final days, and, and he's, he's teaching the people. He's spending time in the temple courts right now with the people and, and ministering to them, teaching them. And here in this particular point in Scripture, Jesus starts to talk about the future. He starts to talk about a specific day, a specific time that is coming that's on its way. What gets Jesus onto this topic is his disciples who are noticing how beautiful the temple is, 
how it's adorned with beautiful stones and decorations, many gifts dedicated to God are there, how the temple is just so nice to look at, and they're describing this to Jesus. But Jesus immediately cools their excitement and says, well, it is nice, but all that you see is very temporary. As nice as it is, it won't last very long. In fact, he says, a time is coming when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. So now the disciples' awe and wonder turns to concern and even some worry. They ask Jesus, well, well, when is this going to happen? What's involved here? What, what, What are the signs that we can see that will show us that that this is going to take place. And it's here that Jesus begins to describe a future and coming time, a time of great turmoil, a time of distress and suffering, a time of destruction. The dreadful day is coming, Jesus says, when armies will surround Jerusalem. They will attack and they will show no mercy. The city will fall. This time is coming and the temple will be destroyed. It will be destroyed by the Gentiles. Well, this day indeed came. It came just as Jesus said it would. It's recorded in our history books, happening around the year 70 CE when Roman armies advanced onto Jerusalem and put down the Jewish revolt that had been building up for several years now. And sure enough, the temple was destroyed and it has remained in this state to this day. Every stone was thrown down, as Jesus says. But Jesus goes a little bit further here. He continues to talk and he he starts to talk even more about a a distant future. He starts to talk more about about what's coming and, and all the turmoil all the upheaval related to the destruction of Jerusalem is really just a small snapshot of what's going to come and what's going to happen on a more global scale throughout the whole world. There will be great distress and and craziness really happening everywhere in the world as a sign that Jesus is coming back. That is, his second coming. His second coming is about to take place. And Jesus says, At that time, they will see the Son of Man arriving in a cloud with power and great glory. And although many people will faint and be terrified by by what's happening in the world, Jesus says specifically to his disciples, You don't need to respond like that. Instead, for you, when these things happen, stand up, don't faint. Lift up your heads, raise your heads, because what it means for you is that your redemption is drawing near. Jesus uses this analogy of a fig tree. It's just like when when we see tiny buds and leaves sprouting, poking through on the branches on the fig tree in the springtime, then, then the people know that summer is on its way, it's coming. For us, we could say that, well, as the leaves turn color and and the temperatures are dropping and and there's a snowstorm in November, that winter is coming, 
God makes it really easy for us to, to notice the signs that, that winter is coming. But we can anticipate. The idea here is that we can anticipate what is coming because of what we're seeing and what's happening right now. And so when we see great anguish and distress increasing in the world, these things are signs, they're, they're indicators that the kingdom of God is drawing near, it's coming a little closer, and Jesus' return, his second coming, is a little closer. Well, today is the first Sunday of Advent. It's a season we observe every year in the church. It's a church tradition. It's about four weeks long leading up to Christmas Day. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or arrival. It's a translation from the Greek parousia, which also means return or arrival, or a sense of coming, or more specifically, a, a visiting presence of whoever that might be. It also carries the idea of a dawning, a dawning of something, when the arrival takes place, when it, when it comes, something, a, a new time begins. It brings in, it ushers in something entirely new when this arrival happens. During Advent, we're anticipating, we're preparing for Jesus' first coming, his first arrival into the world. This is what Christmas is all about. The Savior of the world is born. God has come to us. And so Advent is that time of anticipating the Christmas day. The Christmas season is here, and, and we need to get ready. We need to prepare our hearts for what Christmas is all about. What is its true meaning? What's its significance? And, and the real Christmas changes everything. The world has never been the same ever since Jesus first arrived in the world, all because of the fact that he lived, he died on the cross, and he was resurrected on the third day. But in our scripture passage today, Jesus is talking about his second coming, his second arrival, his return to the world, not about when he first came, but this is why the advent of season, the season of advent is so important. This is, this is so important because we cannot presume to understand the significance and meaning of Jesus' second coming unless we first get a sense of the meaning and significance of his first coming. That's why Advent this Christmas season is important. Jesus says concerning his second coming, he says, the Son of Man will come in a cloud with great power and, and great glory. Jesus describes himself here as the Son of Man. Yet aren't we so used to hearing him referred to as the Son of God? Which he is. But here Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Son of Man puts emphasis on his humanity, that he was a fully human being just like us, fully human in both bodily appearance and having a complex human nature just like us, just like what we have. 
And so doesn't this start to get at what makes the Christmas story, that is Jesus' first coming, so amazing and, and so important? that the creator God, the great creator God of the universe came into this world in the form of a helpless human baby boy born as flesh and blood from a human woman, just like how every human being comes into this world. Jesus is God incarnate. And this human being, this God-man, grew up in the world just like everybody else, walked this earth, lived in this world as a human being. He lived his life and also eventually died, the same course that we're all on. But we also know there's, there's more to it than this, for this man named Jesus. But for us to appreciate and, and more importantly, to be ready to be ready, to be prepared for Jesus' second coming, for his second arrival on a day that has not yet happened, some day in the future, we first need to get our heads around Jesus' first coming. What is his first arrival all about? And this is what we put some special focus on at Christmas time. This is what we give a little bit more attention to at Christmas time for us to be able to stand before the Son of Man. As Jesus says in verse 36, on that day of his second arrival. Well, in order to do this, we first need to understand what it means to stand before the Lord God on his first arrival. What did this day usher in? What did his first coming bring in to the world? What, what did it start, and, and which is in effect right now, is still in effect, and just how the world has not been the same ever since he first came. We need to think about these things. Jesus says that about the future and about his second coming, he says, when you see terrible and frightening things happening in the world, these are signs, these are indicators for us that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus makes this clear. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. But, but the thing is, the kingdom of God has, was already declared to be near at the time of Jesus' first coming. When he's talking about his second coming, this is not the first time that he's talking about this. Not at all. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus opened his public ministry with the words, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. Believe in the good news. This was like his thesis statement of his public ministry. This is what he opened it with. And even before this, even before, at the time of Jesus' birth, which is what we focus on at Christmas, at Jesus' first coming, the kingdom of God was already being talked about. The kingdom of God was, was already being declared to be near, even before Jesus was born. This takes us all the way back to Old Testament prophecy, well before the birth of Jesus. What was this prophecy about? 
It was about the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world, being born into the world. And he was going to be born into the world as, as what? As a king. And so his kingdom will come and it will have no end. Listen for, for a minute, this also familiar passage from Old Testament prophecy that we hear every year. We hear this at this time of every year at Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6 to 8. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. All of this was established at Jesus' first coming into the world. This was the dawn of a new era. At the time Jesus first arrived, the Son of Man, a fully human being who is at the same time called here Mighty God, he arrives into this world for the first time as a king. This is his God-given status right from birth. And when Jesus comes back for his second coming, Jesus says he'll return in great power and in glory. It's going to be a spectacular sight, a fearful display of power, probably a light show of some kind like no other. Any fireworks show that you've seen in your life is probably going to look silly compared to Jesus' return and his display. Well, an arrival such as this is fit only for a king. But not just any king, a conquering king. A king who has already conquered and a king who continues to conquer. But wait a minute. Look at Jesus' first arrival. Jesus' first coming did not take place in a way that one would expect a great and conquering king would come. He was born in a lowly, smelly barn for animals. His crib was a feeding trough. There was no parade outside. There was no big celebration, at least not on earth. Rather, what happened? It led to the slaughter and murder of many babies in the surrounding towns because of the jealousy and the fear that Jesus' birth caused to the current ruling king at the time. And look at how Jesus' life ended. He ended up dying a painful, humiliating death on a cross the cruelest form of execution reserved for the worst criminals, those who are of the lowest status of society. 
So a, a conquering king? Is this our picture of a conquering king who's going to come back in great power and great glory? Oh, yes. Very much so. It is the picture of a conquering king. Jesus first arrived as a lowly human being who came to serve us, not to be served by us as a king normally would be. He came in humility, offering healing to us. He came speaking kind words to us, gently teaching us, guiding us, showing us how we can return to God, how we can once again get right with God. He came to love us. And by coming to us like this, he conquered us. He conquered us. He won us over, bringing us back to God. And about that humiliating and suffering death he died on the cross, well, that was the ultimate act of conquering there he conquered sin, he conquered death, he took our sin, he took our death upon himself on the cross, and he overcame these things through his death. And so death itself was vanquished. It was defeated forever. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, but now made visible through the appearing, the coming of our Savior Christ Jesus, he has broken the power of death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so Jesus returns at his second coming as a conquering king with great power, with great glory, all rightly so, as a conquering king should, because he always was the conquering king from the moment he first arrived in the world to be among us. And again, Jesus says about his second coming in verse 28, now when these things begin to take place, straighten up. Lift up your heads, raise up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He says this because of what his first arrival accomplished. In his first visit, in his first arrival, he conquered us, and he redeemed us. He won us back. To God. And so that's why we can lift up our heads. Even though there's so much turmoil going on all around us, we can lift up our heads and be glad and we can be thankful because our redemption has been secured and it's something so wonderful. It's something we can anticipate. It's something we can look forward to with joy. And so welcome to the season of Advent 2021. This is a meaningful time of the year. So let's make good use of it, leading up to that day of Christmas. Let's, Let's think about these things. 
Let's think about what Jesus' anticipated arrival is really all about. To anticipate the coming day that Jesus, our King, arrives into the world as that conquering King who has conquered us. His coming changes everything. It changes you. It changes me. Let's take the time this year to go a little deeper in the meaning of Christmas. What it means for you. What it means for you in your relationship with God and where it's at right now. That's what the season of Advent is for. It's a time to open our hearts. It's a time to to prepare. To prepare for the impact of what Christmas really is. So let's not just let Christmas come and go this year. That so easily happens because we get so caught up in the busyness of it that we end up missing the point. As Jesus also says in today's passage, be careful. Don't let your focus, don't lose your focus. Don't, don't, let, it, don't let it get off track. Always be on watch. Be vigilant. For the day Jesus comes back will come unexpectedly. It will come like a thief in the night. We, we don't want to be caught unprepared, off script. Jesus is coming back. His second coming has already been set for a day in the future, sometime in the future, and we want to be ready for this. And this is an opportunity right now to be ready, to get ready. And we do so, first of all, by paying more attention to Jesus' first coming and what that is all about. And this begins at Christmas, that is, at the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So may God rule and reign in our hearts this Advent season. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for for coming into the world, for coming into our hearts. We thank you, God, for for sending your son, Jesus, as that king who loves his people, who loves your world. And he comes as a lowly, lowly person, bringing healing, bringing those kind words of salvation to us. You truly are the conquering king, Lord Jesus, and you have conquered us in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you help us to remember what this Advent season is all about, what Christmas is all about, that you are king, you reign, and the focus is all on you. We give you the thanks and the glory, Lord, because you came. You didn't abandon us. You came so that we can know you and we can be with you forever. Our redemption is secure. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.